Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's podcast is brought to you by Peak Performance, Omaha's only locally owned running store for 30 years. Be sure to stop by one of their four locations in the Omaha metro area. Mention this podcast, Chasing Three Hours, for $15 off your first pair of shoes at regular price. Today's interview is with Ethan Herman, a runner that recently ran a 217 marathon. We discuss qualifying for the Olympic trials in that race, only to have it taken away. Plus, why he didn't run in college, why Philadelphia means so much, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Ethan Herman. Ethan Herman, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Thank you. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for coming on. I uh, start every podcast by asking my guest about how their most recent run went. I know you got out for eight eight or so miles this morning. How, how did it go? Uh, it was good. You know, I felt um, still feeling pretty pretty creaky, uh, but it was good. Uh, it's sort of a classic eight-mile run loop I like to do. Uh, so felt good in the end, which I think is always a win. Uh, the end, if you can feel good at the end of a run, you're I'm, I'm happy with it. But it was good. Very Saturday kind of kind of run. Absolutely. You mentioned feeling creaky. You're a few weeks removed from your most recent marathon, which we're obviously going to talk about today. How do you, how do you think your body is holding up in, in that that post marathon time that you find yourself in right now? Um, I can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've woken up at six a.m. I think on the dot every day except today. So I think I'm hopefully out of the cycle. But yeah. I, um, I think I'm fine. You know, I'm not going to try any workouts anytime soon. Uh, the body still feels kind of shot, but I think I'm finally, if I finally have broken out of the wake up at 6 a.m., no matter when I go to bed cycle. That's good. And this was your first marathon, right? So you 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 didn't know maybe what the feeling was going to be like afterwards. Has it surprised you at all in terms of whether it's the physical recovery, the mental recovery? Obviously, you have a lot of other stuff going on with this race in particular as well, but how, how do you think you've done in this post-race process given that you had never done it before? Um, I definitely, I, I kept telling myself, oh, I should take like an Epsom salt bath. I should take an Epsom salt bath. And I still haven't. I think that might delay a little recovery, uh, but I think I, my, my entire goal was just to um, not like just to let the body recover and the mind recover at the same time. Uh, thankfully, Thanksgiving was was last week. So, you know, I was able to eat a lot of good food. I think that helped replenish the body. I, I think I was still low on calories on, on Thanksgiving Day from the marathon um, and just, you know, the desire to see family. And, and I really didn't have an itch to run that much last week. So that was good. I think the not the mental, but definitely like the um, – it's like nervous system is what I, is what I feel like the most where sometimes I just like, I can't, I'm still wired. Like I, th- I think I'm still marathon wired, um, uh, which I'm finally breaking out of two weeks later. But that's yeah. the biggest one was like, I feel like I'm not on edge, but like there's just, there's still energy there. I can be tired, but there's still energy there. That's a really good way to describe it. I, you know, I, I've run seven marathons now, and I think that you just put it into perspective really well. So usually, usually I start these conversations, and I love to go back and then kind of go forward from there. And I, I plan on doing that, but let, let's let's stay in the here and now um, because you first came on my radar uh, when someone reached out to me and said, "Hey, have you heard about Ethan Herman? He qualified for the Olympic trials, but he is now not going to the Olympic trials." So you're a few weeks removed from thinking that you had qualified for the trials only to find out that you wouldn't be going because of a technicality. 
How how are you holding up from that perspective? I've been following you now essentially in this time period on Instagram and on Strava, and it seems like you have a very good outlook on life and, and on this situation in particular. How are you holding up with, with everything that's happened for you? Um, you know, I think uh the whole goal of the of the build was, we joke was with my coach was the whole goal of this first build was to see if I could do one, um, and that was that was the thing is, uh, you know I've, I've had the marathon as something I plan on really taking seriously for like multiple years when I'm older, um, but I was just curious. I, I I told my coach I said I was like I don't like how much they're chopping down uh, the standard every cycle, uh, and so not like I was worried or everything, but. I was like two eight, maybe in a very brash way, but I was like two eighteen seems doable, and I was like, "Can I try it?" And he was like, "We'll see." Like you're young, and then, but in the summer at one point, he's like, "All right, just put your like, like, like almost like set a course for it, but then just forget about it. Like that's where we're going, and just forget about it." And um, you know, I, I'm being twenty three. I I know that my best trials performance will hopefully happen a long time from now, and so I'm not really worried about this cycle because the whole goal was to see one, I think to get a proper build in and then the future when I'm training almost like for real, for real for the marathon, then I'm, I'm comfortable with the workouts and the mileage and the soreness and everything. But, uh, I told one of my good friends that I was after, I mean, after the week I'd had marathon week that getting to the starting line was all that mattered. And then anything that came after getting to the starting line, like it was a win and a bonus. So, uh, I think I felt a lot of things on marathon day, but I didn't, I didn't have, I think I was, I didn't think, I don't think I actually had time to process it before it kind of got taken away too. So I, I don't mind. Um, I'm 23. I'll hopefully have more cracks and chance at a marathon. And I, I think that's, that's the whole goal. So two things that, that from that answer that came to my mind were in a way, it seems like maybe you were playing with house money or ahead of schedule. And I guess both of those things could kind of be in concert together, but this was more of a, of, of maybe a four years from now situation, not a here and now situation for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's when I've, uh, my coach has had to, I think, rein me in from wanting to do a marathon younger than 23. Um, you know, when you train with a lot of marathoners, you, you kind of get that itch, uh, a lot earlier. And he definitely has been like, no, like you need to not lose your leg speed at the ripe age of 23. Uh, and I'm like, but the marathons will be fun. And <laughs> I think he, he like, let me go. Cause he knew like, Oh, you know, like if we do it right, a tr- trials appearance would look really good and give me some good exposure and race other athletes and see what it's like, the, like the big stage and kind of that, that scenario. But it was definitely more of a four years from now, understand what this is like uh, than anything else. So the technicality was your coach, it, 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 I guess, talk me through the situation. Was it that you like missed the bottle and he, he went and handed it? How, how did all that situation happen? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because in Philly, you know, there's, uh, we have seven bottle stops, the elites, and, and they're always, they always are before the normal bottle stops by like 200 meters. So, you know, if we miss a bottle, you know, we can just grab water, Gatorade, goo, whatever the full stop has. Um, and you know, I was, I was leading the OTQ pack. It was just three Americans at that by mile 22. And my coach goes just biking like a madman around the course. And, you know, all the people who work the elite stations are other Philadelphia runners, uh, like who we know personally. And uh, so he went up, apparently he's, he's went up and he said like, hey, like, I don't want him to miss this bottle or like too tired to forget it or drop it. 
we had practiced handoffs, you know, so many times, honestly, in that exact same spot. And he was like, I'm just going to like muscle memory. Like he like, stood in the aid station spot. Like he was in the aid station spot too, for the elites. And I saw, and I saw him and I was like, why does he have my bottle? I was like, maybe he just talked with people there. Right? I didn't have enough time to even question anything. And I was just like, well, that is my bottle. Like, you know, I, I made it. Uh, I, I, I was so nervous about the race bottles that I brought all my drink mixes and everything to the hotel with the elites. And I like made all the things there so that they could watch me make it. Cause I was just like, I want to make sure these are my bottles they are approved. And I was like, can I use all these things? They're like, yes, these are all good. So it was my bottle. It was labeled, but I just, he picked it up and you had like held it like a handoff. Like it was another Sunday in September, which we had been doing a lot of. And I, I grabbed it. I had some, you know, I offered to the guys behind me. They were fine. They got their bottles. And then we just kept on rolling home. And that, there's apparently somebody there, you know, took a video of it and sent it in. And how was that? So it's as simple as that. Um, that's all I can, that's all I really know to the technicality is that it's like, I got to pick it up. I got to grab it, uh, at least in terms of like U.S. marathoning. But yeah, that's what, that's what it is. Yeah. And so coming out of this now, I know you did, I think you've done one other interview, maybe more. Um, and there's like this hashtag going around on the socials, right? Hashtag free Ethan. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's your react? Well, I guess what's been your reaction to this as you've become this, I don't know, lightning rod seems way too harsh, but as, as someone who now people are talking about within this space. Um, yeah, it was, I, <laughs> I was at, uh, I was at this, I, I live on the same street as a bar. Um, and, you know, just to go, I, I was like, I'm just going to go on Tuesday and watch the Sixers game. I'm a big Sixers fan. And I was like, I'm going to go watch. I made my, po- I made my post. I had like dinner with my girlfriend and I was like, and she's a, she's a teacher. So she got up early. I was like, I'm going to go watch the Sixers game and then go home. Right. And it was a good game. They lost in overtime, but I made the post and I was like, that was more so for my Instagram post was more so for my friends who don't understand running, mm-hmm. who aren't in running. And so I, I was careful to word it. Cause I was like, I don't want to like get into the nitty gritty of it and then confuse my friends who just like saw me do the marathon and know that I did a marathon. And I got like to my friends who don't run, they were like, Ethan ran a marathon and got sixth place. Very mat- like matter of fact, like time does not matter. I got yeah. sixth place, you know, I got first Philadelphian resident. Like those are the, and I was like, I have to be very nuanced and like the runners in my life understanding what's going on already know it. My friends who are runners, I don't want to make a post that just confuses them more. And so that's why I made that post, put it out there. Looked at my, I like put my phone down for a bit. And then I was just checking my phone for a couple like texts or something. And I saw Kyle Merber DM me. We did the chat. Then I, I was like, Oh, it's been the lap count. And that'd be cool. And then we're going home for Thanksgiving and the Instagram post fires up and he puts it on his story. He's like, he puts my posts on his puts like my post on his story to 20 some thousand followers and then Sidious mag. And, uh, and then I guess it's a long-winded way of saying I don't know how to be viral or I don't know how to respond to being viral. But um, it was it felt like a lot of checking my phone and then stopping uh, to realize how many notifications I was getting for the next. My Instagram broke. Uh, long story short. Oh my it, gosh! My Instagram kind of broke. I like um, I stopped getting a certain amount of DMs uh, on Wednesday evening, and they rolled in on like Saturday. Wow. So I think I'm still processing going, quote, running viral, but 
I think I have more. If you have another question, I'll be able to answer it more succinctly than <laughs> No, <laughs> no, I appreciate that. What one more on this and then we can just talk about running in general. What's your mindset moving forward? You know, I have to imagine that a lot of people in your life are like, hey, it's December. The trials are, you know, still are, are they're upcoming. There are more marathons. Uh, so I, I'll just ask the question of, have you thought about trying this again? Or is it still too soon? And, and I don't even mean from the mental aspect of where you're at, but just more the body and then having to recover from, from doing, especially since this was your first ever marathon. Um, so the window closes on Tuesday. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I had my race. Uh, I think I had my fate decided for me there. No, I... I don't have a desire to do another marathon unless I somehow find myself in the trials um, by another technicality. Sure. Um, or pity, and I'll take both. But um, I put all my eggs into one basket. I don't, uh, a lot of people race fall marathons knowing CAM exists. And I don't, dis- I don't like dislike that idea. I just know that myself as a runner, I will never be able to give 100% if I have a back pocket. And so I wanted to do Philly give it a go and then think about the next year, whether that included going to Orlando or not. So now my mind, my mind is probably the least prepared of anything. My body could probably handle a number of five, 10, five, 15 miles. Again, my mind just can't. And I think that's more important to have a good mind than a, a body in the marathon. So I'm, I'm content not running a marathon for a couple of years, but um, uh, that was never, that was never going to be the plan. Even if I fell short, technicality or not, I was not going to do another marathon. Interesting. All right, let's go all the way back. Why running? Why, why, why did you get into running in the first place? How old were you and, and what led you to the sport? Um, I'm a younger brother. My older brother was in high school when I was in middle elementary school and he ran cross country and we're best friends. He's like a role model. So I was like, I'm going to do whatever he does, but in the future. And that was it. And that's why I started running in middle school. Uh, and then I fell in love with it, plain and simple. We didn't have a track team, so we decided to cross country in middle school. Um, I was a basketball player growing up, so I would go like cross country, basketball, spring basketball, and that was my middle school phase. And then in high school, I was like, "All right, I want to be, I want to be good. I want to, I just want to be, a, you know, a varsity runner." And then um, by my junior year. I broke 17 for the first time and I was like, okay, I think I can be like pretty good. I, I think I can like do this. And then I came back into my senior year and we did a time we did, we have like a preseason week where we go and run like 70 mile a week with the team, or oh, at least wow. the, top, the top guys do. Um, and I did a 1638 in a time trial and my coach was like, you know, you could be good at this. And I was like, all right, like, all right. Like as I did, like, I think I was like nine 50 and then like 430 something on the track my junior year and like I was really I think I didn't hit puberty fully until my junior year of high school and that's when you you like see the oh Ethan has muscles now and like actually (laughs) looks like a high schooler uh and I think that helped and then I was able to yeah I ran up uh at one of our big home meets I ran I broke 16 in the 5k in cross country and in western PA that's not an easy task uh with the hills and so I think that was like I felt very good to know that but then i mean my 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 year was really good uh in terms of recruiting and i just i got on the recruiting scene like way too late right i reached out to just a couple coaches and they're like we already have our whole roster and it was like september so i was like well you know i just have to turn my um focus for college to uh, academics 
Interest. I was going to ask you about that because I'm I'm looking all over for for your, your kind of profiles. I know that you're super young. You're obviously incredibly talented, and I'm like, I don't think this guy ran in college. And so you didn't like run for like a like you you there was like a running club or a running group right where you went, but not like a traditional team. Yeah. Um. I took a, took a visit to Carnegie Mellon. Um. Officially, that was lovely. Great program. I've major respect and I love Carnegie Mellon. Um, I grew up a mile down the road from Carnegie Mellon and my dad was a professor there when I was really young for a couple of years. My mom still works there. And I was like, I can't go to college where my mom knows what I'd be doing. <laughs> and not anything bad, but just the more so where I, my parents too, like you should go like to Philly where your brother went to school and kind of, there were programs for me there at Drexel and, yeah, direct, I mean, I, I considered D3 programs. I did. I thought that'd be fun. Um, but I just, I liked the idea of Philly and like living in a city. Like I'm, I'm a city person. Like I grew up in the city in Pittsburgh. I wanted to kind of stay in a city that had everything. And Drexel had a co-op program and I went for econ and it was in the business school. All those things kind of like aligned for me. And I got enough like grad, I got enough like a scholarship. So running had to kind of be cursory at, until I figured out college. And then, yeah, I was just scrolling on, like, I typed in, like, run clubs in Philadelphia. Because I was like, I'm going to run. You know, I'm going to, I'm not going to not run. Uh, Drexel doesn't have a team. They have a very small, like, club team. Uh, but they just, they do more, like, sprinting. So I was like, all right, I need to find a club. And I found a uh, Philadelphia Runner Track Club. I shot the uh, men's director at the time, Chris Mateer, an email. And I was like, hey, man, these are my PRs uh, from high school. Can I, like train with you guys just just being like i don't know if i'm fast enough to train with you guys i don't know what you guys do and he was like yeah come out for a couple runs and they i think when i joined i was the only one under like 23 24 they just took on an 18 year old kid uh and that's what kind of started my college running i was gonna yeah i was gonna ask you that like you had to be an outlier among this group because i think of the the running group that i'm a part of uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, and it's, I mean, everyone's after college. The youngest person, I think, is probably 23, 24, 25, somewhere in yep. there. Um, so it's everyone who is out of college or like in post-grad, you know, we have actually a couple of people who are going to be dentists that are in our local uh, running club that both go to go to Creighton. So you, I mean, what's it like being an 18, 19, 20-year-old? So, I mean, you know, hey, you want to go grab a beer? Sorry, I'm not allowed to. You can't do any of the post-run things that a lot of people do. And you're at an age where someone as talented as you is usually running for a university. It was it was great. Um, I think I really like my own schedule. I think I realized that really early on too. I, I really like, I can, I can, I can, um, I kind of flex my own time really well. And I was thinking about like I had knew some a lot of my friends who were on teams like this sucks like running at seven a.m. or like double or like workout in the evening like or like workout in the middle of the day. And I was like I work out on Tuesday evenings at Franklin Field and it's fun and they play music and the speakers and then I can run whenever I want like every day and my first like I guess my first we were core systems in college I was like. I'm just gonna be a college student. Like I didn't run that much. I, you know, I just hang out with, I, I played a bunch of like smash brothers, my, with my floor mates and like just had a good time. And then I started to get more serious in the winter, but yeah, it was really, they were very quick. The whole, the whole club was very quick to, to, I think be, I think cautious, but 
cognizant of, Hey, we have a child on the team now <laughs> instead of an adult. And, you know, and like, they would be like, yeah, Ethan, we're going to go to the bar, go home. Or like yeah, see you in, later. In, a very, in a very kind way, like, Hey, like you'll come out in two and a half years when it's time. But like, you know, this is still part of the club. We're still an adult club, but they were very welcoming. Uh, I think the women's team kind of took me in right away. They were like, nobody corrupt him <laughs> on the men's side, you know, <laughs> and it just wasn't fast enough for the men yet. They were doing you know, all these guys that even like, uh, anything from like D3 to club in uh, D1 um, to D1 guys who, you know, had done the gamut of cross, indoor, outdoor, lifting programs, all these things. Like they could handle workouts. And I was just a fresh off being a camp counselor, you know? And so the kind of worked my way up to being able to work out with the guys, but also to just, uh, you have a big slack. And that was really helpful where if I wanted to run at 11 o'clock on a Thursday, I could put it in the Slack channel and one of our a million med students would reply and, you know, and these, I mean, then they talked to me about their fiance and their wedding planning and, or some, some of them as much as their kids, you know? And, um, I think that was just a great comfort for me because I was the youngest in my family for like 13 years. So I kind of always grew up, you know, having just to, if I want to talk to my family, I got to talk to the older people. Uh, and that made it very easy for me too, to, I was always comfortable around adults and comfortable talking about, more adult things. And I joked where I was like, I get college conversations 80% of the time. So I'm going to actually really enjoy the adult conversations when I'm not, when I'm, when I'm running. So like, I felt kind of like my life had even better balance because I was already having these good adult conversations. Very cool. What, what was the balance for you like in terms of wanting to improve, um, but also just like wanting to run? I, I love talking to talented runners and, and one of the questions that I'll so often ask them is like, did you run because you were good or because you liked it? And this is different because you're now you were at a college age and you're not competing, you know, in that in that traditional sense. So what was that balance like for you? Um, I think it was I, I've always I've always loved running to run. I think it's a beautiful thing to do, even if like I hate it most days. You know, I, I, I truly do love it. And it's, that's what it is for me at my core. I. Did an indoor mile the first weekend of February 2019 just to like get my toes back into racing and like see what it felt like, you know, and I remember I ran like a 444 and that would have been like, and I remember like doing a cool down and doing a workout afterwards with the, with the guys, and the team being like sophomore Ethan would be really proud junior and senior Ethan would be pissed off. And so I think it kind of like lit my own fire. I was like, I still want to be good at running. And I told myself I, I do. And so if I just ran that time, then I'm not there yet. So I have to start like working my, I was, I was still running, you know, like four to five times a week, which is fine. Or like sometimes two, sometimes five. And I was like, I could just be consistent again. And lo and behold, like that evening, my, my now coach, who's my coach for four years, he texted me because he's, he was a 39 year old who ran like a 436 that day <sighs> at that race, you know? Uh, and he was like, what's your training plan like? And I was like, Oh, I don't, I'm 18. I don't have one. Uh, you know, like, that's how this works. Uh, and he was like, Oh, then do you want one? And I was like, yeah, like, absolutely. He was like, I'm going to send you this, write it down on a post-it note, do it for the next three weeks or next six weeks and come back to me. Uh, and so I did. And that's how I kind of started going where I went from two to three times a week to running every day and doing, strides Monday, Thursday and doing a medium long run and doing two workouts a week and doing a long run properly. And my first three weeks, it was like 65, 65, 65, boom, boom, boom. And like, I loved it because like, I, I loved the structure. I loved every day knowing what I was doing 
And he, he said, you know, um, everyone has a purpose. And I really resonated with that where it's like, I know what I'm doing today because I know what it's supposed to do for me. Like it was a very give and take with the run instead of just running because it's a nice day or running fast because I need to get home because it's raining. Um, that I think really helped me ground every run. And then by the fourth week, you know, I got like a stomach bug and I came back to it, crushed a workout. And he was like, see, you did it for three weeks in a row. It's not part of your life. You better get used to it. <laughs> uh, and then I think about like six weeks to the T after he started coaching me, I ran a road 5k in like 1535. Wow. And- you smoked your PR. And yeah, in, in, in Nike Pegasus too, like just, I, I, didn't, I didn't own racing flats. And he was like, I, cause I, in my brain, those are my fast shoes. Cause Nike are fast shoes. And he was like, where are your racing flats? And I was like, what are those? And he was like, oh, we're going to have a long time to work with you. But yeah. And then, so that was six weeks to the T and then about three months after I started working with him, Philly has broad street, 10 mile run, super big 10 miler, really fast. And the goal was, you know, break 53 and that would be over the moon. And I ran 51, 15 and I got 13th place, seventh American. Like people were telling me you got this American. I was like, I don't know what that means. I, I do, but like, I don't, cause it's like, it shouldn't apply to me, you know? Um, and I think that, and then that's like, almost like you're probably wondering how I ended up here. I think that was when my running journey for like people who knew about me began because the whole city was like, who is this kid? Yeah. And, and, and I was like, I'm just, ha- I was my first 10 miler. I was like, I'm just having fun here, guys. Like I remember like passing two of my teammates and just being like, let's, let's effing go guys. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, you shouldn't be with us. Like, you know, and it just surprised myself. I didn't even know what it was like. Uh, my, I didn't know what I was running. I was just chasing guys that first broad street. And then with a mile to go, my coach just appears and he's like, if you run 450, you break 51. And I was like, I can't, I can't do that, but also, wait a minute, time, you know, so that was, that was definitely the first, I think, big leap I made when I, I realized like, oh my God, I could actually be really good at running. Cause I was just really enjoying the structure all over again of like every day having a run. And then that kind of race solidified. There's great potential if I keep this up where things can get really, really good. So you're, you're getting these types of returns and it's so, I mean, it's obvious like there's this large proof of concept that everything you're doing is paying off and that you're doing it the, the right way. So as, as that starts happening, as, as, as you set your 5k PR and you're doing it in shoes that are certainly not race shoes, what, what do, what are the conversations look like with your coach in terms of what kind of runner you can be, what you should start focusing on long-term, short-term, like what, what were those conversations like for you at that moment in time? I think, I think after Broad Street, my first one in 19, he was just like, let's keep this. He's like, let's not burn him out. Like, I think he was really focused on like year over year. Cause he, he, he had plans for me like years before this was before COVID too. Like we're going to do this by 20, like this in 2019, this in 2020, this in 2021. And he was just like, we're going to slowly build you up. We're not going to try to rush you in anything, but like, it's clear that you're responding to this kind of training. So we're just going to keep progressing and that was really the only goal was um just make sure we don't do anything too fast or too stupid uh and then he was like whatever you're doing right now is working for you in your life so do that more <laughs> and that was really it it was very very simple being like we're just going to keep the good this, this is rolling what you mentioned covid what how did that change or or alter your plans or i guess how you were approaching things when when 2020 arrived and everything started changing yeah, I, um, 
so I ran like I did a, th- a couple indoor races in 2020, and I, like two weeks or three weeks before the world kind of shut down, I ran 8:39 for a 3k on uh, at Haverford on such a flat track, and I was my coach was like, "You should be very excited. We're going to target like 5k's. Like just get ready to shatter your PR and everything." And then it ended, and I was like, "I don't really mind." Like um, I, I went back to Pittsburgh where I'm from, and I just ran like all the time. I was just running like. I mean, I was doing mindless mileage, you know, some days I do something, a workout here. Sometimes I wouldn't, it really wouldn't matter, but I was doing like 90 miles a week, uh, and getting like 5,000 feet of elevation, just, just jogging like two a days, random 18 mile runs. I did my first hundred mile week, uh, just for fun. Cause it was a good week of weather and I was bored and I was able to do a 5k time trial at the end of May and I ran 1502. And I was like on the track, just me and one other guy working back and forth. Uh, and he's like, all right, this is exciting. And then I just ran way too much in the summer without like taking care of my body. And so then I took honestly from like Labor Day to Christmas in 2020, I took off. I stopped running. Wow. I burned out. just burned out. Like I was doing hundred mile weeks. I think I did close to about 505 weeks in the heat of the summer. And then I just broke. And I was like, not like anything injury wise, just like burned out. And so I came back to running again in 2021. I just I was like, I'm just good for now. Like I've, I've run too much. What did you learn about yourself in in that time away? I think you know it helps uh, just how much I scroll Strava. Uh, that's what I think I learned about myself. And uh, so I deleted Strava from my phone, from my computer uh, bookmarks, and I, I just kind of spent a lot of time with my parents, uh, like. I realized how much I love walking again, like going a lot of walks and just grounding. And I got back in like just my backyard, the basketball hoops and playing a lot of basketball. And just, it was just a nice refresh. I felt like I was really able to just find myself again outside of running and how to absorb myself with time. Uh, that didn't include running two hours a day and then looking at running for four more. So it was a nice way to remind myself that I have a lot more than just running, which I've always kind of strived for. And that was, a, I think, a definitely a big help. Going back to what you said about you're, you're running all these miles, as you, you called them mindless miles. You're not really training for anything in particular. There was a post that you had on Instagram last year where you wrote, I spent a decent amount of time so far in 2022 just running without any reason why. I, I know some are like, I can't do that. I have to have a race. I need the motivation. I need the carrot at the end of the stick. It's obvious that you don't need that. Well, How valuable has that been for you that you can have these moments in your life, in your running journey, where you're just running to run, you're running to enjoy. I mean, it seems like that, it's, that goes back to like the idea of running as joy and, and just being able to have that kind of a relationship with it. Um, I think in uh, to me... Yeah, I don't always need a carrot uh, or like uh, something circled on the calendar. Um, just, just generally, uh, you know, I kind of grew up always liking to be outside. You know, uh, I would play, I'd play basketball until my hands froze, until my mom called me in. You know, all those kind of things. And then I went to summer camp for six years. You know, hiking trip, living in the woods. Like I, I love being outside. I think uh, Pittsburgh has a, a major like park system. We have three major parks in uh, within a mile and a half of me. Uh, in my house that I grew up. So I always like just love to be outside and running is a very easy way to do that. Uh, and that was, that was too, was just, you know, if I needed to clear my head, I'd go for a run and you know, I didn't need to pound the pavement or anything. I could just run an easy loop and then be very content. And I think that's what really helped. Um, in, in 2022 more so is I just was kind of spread too thin. Um, I was a head RA at Drexel, 
Um, I was a student. Tell my parents I was still a student. You know, I was still doing taking classes. I was working part time for the company I interned with. You know, and and then also being a friend, brother, teammate, right? And so I just, I just, I just didn't have the, I think, the mental energy uh, to be as consistent as I wanted to. And just like some days, you know, I wouldn't go to bed until one o'clock because I was doing too many things, and I just would mess up the training and just be a bad cycle. And I think uh, that was the whole point of like, if I can still run, I'm content enough. Uh, but I, a large part of me wanted to have a good enough work-life run balance again to be able to compete well. More from Ethan Herman in just a moment, but a word for the folks at Peak Performance, Omaha's only locally owned running store for 30 years. Was so cool to hear from a listener of this podcast recently because they were in the market for some new shoes and they stopped by one of the four locally owned stores of Peak Performance in the Omaha metro area. They mentioned chasing three hours and they were able to get $15 off of their first pair of shoes at regular price. Look, 2024, it is almost here. I have my races on the calendar for next year. I cannot wait and I know that I'll be out there getting in a ton of miles and Peak Performance has done wonders for me. I'd been buying shoes online and I'd been dealing with injuries. Finally, I went to Peak Performance and they put me through their five-step gait analysis process. They figured out my arch type. They figured out my lower leg alignment. And since then, I have had so much success running. Stop by one of their four locally owned stores. And again, mention Chasing Three Hours and you can get $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Back to my conversation with Ethan Herman. Let me ask you this, um, as you had all of this success and this growth, you know, especially in, in 19 into, into the early part of 2020, was there a part of you at all that regretted either not going after running at one of the, at, at one of those schools that maybe you had thought about going, obviously there was one in your hometown that you mentioned, or, or were you very content to do all of that? Maybe away, like you had the structure of running, but away from the structure of running for a college. Yeah, I think, uh, so my first ever, in 2019, I did uh, club cross nationals. It was in Lehigh. Uh, and if anybody who raced that, they know it was just the, the muddiest, grossest day. Um, and I think by that point, I was still a fanboy of a lot of things, you know, like still, still pretty young. And, you know, we warmed up behind NJNY track club, who I like grew up like admiring. And then we like lined up two boxes next to Tin Man. And I was still a kid, you know, kind of starstruck. And I think even during the pandemic, I don't think I missed. I don't think I was envious of people on college teams because their like precious seasons were wasted. And yeah, uh, I was like, well, I'm going to be running anyways. Um, I think I actually felt that the most like last year when a lot of my friends were graduating and they were like soaking up the last days of that. I was like, Oh, I never had that. Um, but I still like, you know, the fall of 19, I still had a very good season. I still raced a cross country nationals meet with my friends and then, you know, hung out with them and partied afterwards. So I think I still had that, that experience, but it was right around graduation in the spring where I was like, wow, a lot of people like college, like the, they had a sort of big family where for me, a lot of my Drexel friends were, you know, close friends, but I didn't have that connection where like, you know, when you run for your team, you're running for 15 plus people besides yourself. And even when I run with a team, like if I want to do my own race here, I'm still just running for myself most of the time. I think that's what I think I missed was like just a cross country team again. But by the point in the pandemic, I, I hadn't had that feeling yet. That's a great silver lining because 
the runners in college who were there during COVID, their seasons are wiped away. And one of the things that I know I have talked about a lot with runners on the pod who were at school, it's like, hey, what do you miss? And they always talk about the camaraderie. But you have the camaraderie with the with the club that you're a part of, even though you are, you know, a lot younger than a whole lot of those guys. So it just it that has to be that had to be incredibly valuable that you didn't have to maybe go through that kind of oh the sadness, the melancholy of it all. Yeah, I think you know, knowing that these people were still going to be on my team in like three years time when I graduated college, I had just become fully, you know, just like everybody else where I'm not in college. Uh, but um, it was great because you know I came back. Uh, in the winter, we Drexel took back a thousand students, and I was uh, well, I was I was charged in taking care of the honors college building, and you know we were masked to the nines and scrubbing everything down, and uh, that was fine. But what was great was you know by 2021, we we realized as runners, hey, you, we could go on runs outside and yep. not kill each other. So let's do that. And so we would, and we didn't have any team practices, but like if I wanted to run with a friend, we just you know run on the trail and life would be normal for an hour and then we'd go back and wear our four masks and, and, you know, all these things. And I think that was really nice was also too, I did, I didn't feel like I, my time was slipping away or a lot of my college friends were like dying to get back, you know, being like, I don't want to miss any more weeks or months of my college experience being a student athlete uh, before I graduate, before life becomes real. And I was like, life already is real guys. Like I'm already there. I was, I think that that, that is actually one of the the things I said to my parents one time was just, I'm, I think I'm lucky. I didn't go to, I didn't go to a college to run because of the pandemic, because I would have just, I don't even want to know what, like what that would have been like emotionally or mentally. And I know a lot of my friends had it like balanced it very well. And some of them didn't balance it as well. Like it really hurt, really hurt them because of how important their like life at their colleges were. But for me, I was like, I'm already Life's already moving on again. We've already figured out how to make it work. And that was very easy. That's a great way to put it. Uh, so I want to ask you about like the end of 2022 into 2023, because you, you said a few minutes ago that, that, you know, the reason that you were doing a lot of that running is because you were spread too thin, that you weren't training for races. Is there a moment at the end of last year, at the end of 2022, when you decide like, or things, I guess, get easier for you where you can start locking in more? And, and was that maybe a cognizant thing as you as you tipped on over into 2023? Um, so I, I studied abroad last fall. Actually, it was lovely. I was in Cardiff, Wales um, with an amazing running running team. And I think I fell back in, not fell, fell back in, but I kind of did the exact same thing I did in my first term as a college student where I was like, you know, I'm making new friends. I'm new rhythm, new places. So I made amazing friends. Um with the runners there and people I was living with. Uh, so I ran with a Cardiff university athletics club. Uh, they're like a student run, uh, amateur club there, which is awesome. Uh, I made a lot of friends there kind of still just, just kind of running to run. Um, and then, yeah, I came back. I think I just came back. I was like, I want to have a good year. Uh, and that, and that's all it was. And I wasn't going to be an RA anymore. Cause I was going to, I normally start in the fall and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be an RA again. And, um, in the winter, I think I had a better, really good month of training in January. And then I just learned that I, I don't do super well training for indoor track. Uh, just my body gets really tight and I really have a lot of imbalances. So I had to, to kind of shut down. So my 2023 did not actually get off to a good start at all. After about one month, um, I like, I limped my way to a 9:30 3k at trials of miles at the armory in February. Um, and I was just like, I told my coach, I was like, I need to take time off. Like, 
I'm, I'm mentally, I'm there again, but physically I'm not. And it's just going to be a frustrating year if I don't do this right now. So I didn't even run much of February or March. And then about late March, when I went home for my last spring break, I was finally like getting back into the swing of things. So what are the nuts and bolts like then at that moment in terms of the, the rest of the year, you know, it seemed like, I guess at this point, had you decided that you were going to take a crack at the marathon and that, you know, hey, let's see what I could do in terms of an OTQ or did that not come until later this year? That didn't come until until later. Yeah, I, um, I, I remember texting my coach where he was like, well, what do you want to do this fall? And I was like, and I was like, well, I want to run the half again. I was like, because uh, I had really good success with the half in Philly. And I, I think that was a very achievable goal at the time to be like, Hey, just, let's just build back up. Let's get a good half marathon under the belt again. Uh, and then we can move on. And then, uh, I, I graduated college and I, then I think things fell back, fell into place. I think that's yeah. what I really what it was. Um, just needed to kind of get over that. Not even anything bad. It's just, I think once I was able to get, like just get graduated, my, my life became a lot simpler. Um, and you know, I, I started dating somebody this year, earlier in the year. And that was very helpful. She was very helpful and kind of the winter when I wasn't running that well, just to like, be like, Oh, well, you know, what's great about life when you're not running is that you have a lot of time to hang out with your girlfriend and like see your friends and see your brother and then kind of move forward together with, with fitness and also uh, being a good boyfriend. But I was about, yeah. I was like, I'm just trying for the, for the half again. Like I came home from my post-graduation vacation with my parents in, in New York upstate and uh, my coach was like what do you want to do I was like, i'm just start let's just start running again you know and i was like 80 mile weeks and i are good friends so i just clicked off a couple 80 mile weeks and he was like are you ready to start training i was like yeah so got workouts on the calendar again my google sheet was was filled up and i liked <laughs> that and that's and then we started we started working out you know i started saying like every day i have i have a run and i'm gonna get i'm gonna get it done and i might some of them might suck some of them might not and i think i was just kind of just towing the line of how serious can this get? And then the marathon became kind of on this, on the, maybe on the schedule in July. What did your girlfriend think of all this as she's, you know, as you guys are early in a relationship and you're doing this kind of training and you're, you're building up towards some pretty big goals. You you've written before, um, especially after the, the Hartford half marathon, you talked about your supporters. You talked about your supporters after the marathon, um, when you wrote, I've never felt more loved, appreciated and supported before. I still don't think I'm worth all the fuss. I mean, it seems like you have a lot of people in your corner. Yeah, it's, um, well, she's the best. Uh, uh, she ran a half referred herself. So she has a really, uh, you know, I think deep understanding of running and especially aspiring for big goals. Uh, you know, she ran at D three nationals for cross before. So she knows what it's like to compete at the, at a high level. Um, and especially cause they dream big and achieve big, uh, uh, have I think she was on like, the regional winning team, uh, one of her years. So she's like, she's had that kind of success and understands that, um, you know, I've had some good PRs in the past. And so I always, I said, I, I told her, I didn't want it to be like my entire life, but I'm, I am going to, you know, I'm going to go for it. And I, I apologized to her at some point being like, I'm sorry that, uh, you started dating me. And then I decided to run a marathon four <laughs> months into dating. Um, and she, you know, took it in stride, uh, cause she's awesome. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, a uh, it was, it was just a, a, became part of our lives where, uh, she's also a big biker too. So, you know, it kind of fit out in the summer when she's off biking, you know, 90 miles in the morning and I'm running 18, we buy, we both kind of come back 
really tired and go to bed at 10 o'clock. So it's, it, actually it ends up being kind of perfect for you guys. It really was perfect, you know, and, uh, and that was, I think, a blessing in, dis- in disguise. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. So I mentioned Hartford, um, and obviously yeah. we've mentioned Philly before. What what goes into picking those races as the half marathon and then as the full marathon to run in 2023? Um, I, creature of habit, I really like, you know, waking up, doing my thing, having my coffee. You know, it's just Keurig, but like having my coffee, wake up in my bed. Uh, a good friend of mine, Jason Ayer, who lived in Philly for a long time. He's from, he, he lived in Mass before, and um, he had done Hartford the full uh, and he also, he had done hard for the half before doing Philly marathon. And I always said, uh, you know, when you're on a, when you go to a college in a city, you're kind of insulated or you're very insular with that team before you graduate. And then you kind of, you unlock all of the other, all of like the running clubs who are adults. Uh, I've now been, you know, on a running club for five years and running clubs like to have fun. We like to meet new people, go on like group runs and all these things. And, uh, Philly is a very good city to, to, I'd say to party in after races, <laughs> um, 21 and over, of course, but, uh, you know, they do, we do a really good job. We have some amazing clubs here. Um, Richard Issa and, and Lionel Brody are two of my good friends and they are, they have their own, uh, clubs in Philly, but also they know how to put on a lot better. I think hospitality and party, uh, formats, like more of the social after race things than my club does. So I always look forward to that. You know, you make friends, um, you garner, garner support. And I think I, in my head, I was like, I want enough to travel for Philly. So I'm going to not travel for a marathon and two, just the support is going to probably be a, a beautiful thing. And then with Hartford, it was, uh, came a good recommended course and I, not like fully, but I was like, there's some good course prep in Hartford for Philly where you have like easier section, early Hills flat, which is what Philly is, but extended. And I just wanted to, bang on a good PR. I like hills. Yeah. I like, I like racing on hills and, uh, it fit in just perfectly five weeks before Philly. So I was like, that's, I could not ask for a better half marathon. Um, I got COVID two weeks before Hartford. Oh. So I was, I was really like, you know, the, the, this, this, the emotional roller coaster happened both times this, this fall. Um, I kind of got, I kind of got over it, uh, like with a week to go. And I was like, my coach, I was like, what do you think? And he's like, just go find out. And I was like, right, I can do that. I think it kind of took the pressure off me because I was like, I just have COVID. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and the Hartford was, of course, incredible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As you wrote, you wrote afterwards, my God, that rocked. You won. Uh, you ran 64-51. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's incredible that you had just had COVID. But I guess given that you maybe went in with a little less pressure, that, that had, to ha- had to have helped. Yeah, I think, you know, my coach joked, he's like, you probably have a little fresher legs than you would expect, and you probably have a little less pressure on yourself. Um, I also really enjoyed that I was kind of the away team. Uh, you know, uh, it's a really big race for New England athletes, and a lot of great New England athletes came out and ran it. Um, but it was funny, at one point, like, you know, there's a bunch of cheers for everybody in the lead pack except for me. And I... And I <laughs> I looked around. I was like, ah, oh, I'm used to, like, I, I'm not like babied in Philly, but like I'm used to like hearing my name kind of quite often in Philly. And I was like, this is actually kind of fun. Like I just can sneak by. And then I looked around and I'm like the only one not wearing a white singlet and I'm like wearing a red singlet. And so I, I turned to them and I'm like, did you guys plan this without me? Uh, and they were like, yeah, you should, you missed the meeting. You know, we were, we're doing white singlets today. And then uh, a friend of mine who's in the race, Sean, he joked and he goes, 
so does that mean you're going to beat all of us or we're going to all beat you? And, and I, I joked, I said, I'm going for somewhere in the middle. Uh, and it wound up being that I did beat all of them. Um, but I think that was a really nice thing was just, there was no pressure on me at all. Uh, you know, I was against guys who already qualified for the trials, guys who were older than me. And I had, you know, just, I just had COVID. So there was no pressure on myself. And that just allowed me to really run free. And I, I ran one of the most, I think, aggressive races I've ever run uh, with that with that freedom in mind, being like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can I can find out. And then I, I found out, thankfully, uh, very positively. Yeah, yeah, you won. You you leave that race. What's the conversation like with your coach in terms of, hey, you got Philly in five weeks. What, what are we going to do here? We, we, we choked because he immediately went to like the running calculator things, and he was like, "This is what you. <laughs> this is where you are." And I was like. Okay. And he was like, and he said, and he said it too. He was like, that doesn't mean you, that's where you're going to run. But then we just basically said was, we have a chance to just get you to the trials with that half PR being like, kind of just saying like, you have the fitness to do it. All we have to do now is execute it. And like the goal wasn't, you know, I, I people like, oh, you should go for 215, 216. And I was like, no. Uh, I was like, no, I was like, you know, the whole point of this build now is to execute and to check that OTQ box, uh, because, um, you know, the, the half was such a good race and I ran it, you know, I did the last eight miles by myself in the lead and he's like, you have the mental strength to OTQ. You have the, clearly the, the wheels in theory to, to do it as well. So the whole goal was just get used to, having your mind say you can OTQ and then we're just going to do it. So I didn't, I could have run two seventeen fifty. I could have run two sixteen thirty. 30. Like, let, let the race play out, but the goal will be OTQ focused. Did you feel extra pressure coming out of that then that you, that the calculator, the VDOT calculator shows like, Hey, this could, this could be your time. And maybe you didn't feel that way going into the, the Hartford half. Did, did you feel extra pressure? Um, I felt relieved uh, and I think pressure on it got closer because more people believed I could do it as well. Uh, but I felt, I think I felt relieved because I had more of a buffer where I was like, you know, beforehand I was like, okay, you know, if I, if I go out trying to run on like two seventeen thirty, what I thought my fitness was capable of, I was like, that's just 30 seconds. That could be like a, a couple mile headwind away from me sprinting to the line. And after Hartford, I was like, if that's what I'm capable of, I could have an A minus day at Philly and still OTQ. And so that made me feel very comfortable knowing I had, I, my fitness had a bigger buffer zone um, for the OTQ. But then at the same time, everybody <laughs> then told me, hey, you can OTQ. And I kind of wanted to stay under the radar um, and be like, I also think I can OTQ, but you're, you're very assured of this fact. And this is a marathon. And so I think that was where the pressure came in where, I ran not too well at Hartford, but I ran well enough for people who are not even worried about the OTQ. Like, oh, we're going to get it. And I was like, I still have to do the marathon. Guys. Like I still have, to, <laughs> I'm not just going to Orlando on what ifs or um, on, on assumptions. So I think that was, that was where the pressure came in was really that people were expecting it instead of hoping for it. What was the, uh, what, so what was the, those final five weeks? Like we, we, we always talk about the taper and how annoying the taper can be. I, mm. sometimes I, I really like the taper 
you know, it feels like a nice reward for the end of a block. Other times I just despise it because I feel all these nagging injuries that are not injuries and I feel sick, but I'm actually not sick. What, what was that build up like for you in those last few weeks? Um, we came back from Hartford. I did three weeks at 95 in a row and then uh, tapered for two weeks. And I think the taper two weeks were longer than the 395s. I hate the taper. I hated it so much. I, I hate it because I hated how... I felt worse doing less. And everybody said, everybody said it. And they were like, you're, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're going to be fine. And I was like, that's, thank you for telling me this. I still hate it. It sucks. Uh, it really, it really, it really got to me. I was like, I, oh, he's like, oh, I just want to feel good. Like, am I going to, I was like, what was, am I ever going to feel good? Um, and then I do the workouts and we'd have like some faster stuff. So like I did like five by mile, uh, like under four fifty five, like four fifty three under four forty eight. And I was like, all right, these are feeling fine. And then I'd feel like crap for the next five days. And then I'd close a workout and like couple, just like just very com- comfortable 218, 800. And I was like, oh, that felt easy. Okay. And then I feel like crap again. And I was just, it was just a cycle of, I do a workout, but I was like, I did what I was prescribed. So I didn't think I was like feeling good. I was just doing what I'm supposed to do. And then I would feel bad every other day. So I was like, oh, okay, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. And then it was the day before the marathon where I did a little jog and I set out the first couple steps and I was like, okay, I need to slow down because I finally feel sort of good. Uh huh. And that, that I was like, all right, I see why I'm, I see why I've tapered for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you get to that week. And if you don't mind me asking your, your grandfather passes away. Um, yeah. and, and you, you've written about that, how, how, you know, just like what that meant to you, how, how hard did that hit you given you're dealing with all this stuff physically and where you're like, I don't like this. You're obviously dealing with a lot mentally. There's this pressure of, of outside people saying, oh yeah, cool. We'll see you in Orlando. And then someone in your life passes away. He was, um, you know, he had, uh, had a lot of complications in the last couple of years. So we were aware the clock was, was ticking. Um, and then I kind of knew I got a call from my dad Tuesday of marathon week, uh, just saying like, you know, we're, we're really close in that window. So I knew kind of knew it was coming and he passed on Wednesday and I just had, I, I had a, I was a talking on Thursday with a, a marathon panel and then my family was coming in and then marathon weekend was happening. And I had like expo on Friday and then bottles on Saturday. So I, it was, I think it's made everything, made everything a lot tougher for sure. Um, I think that also attributed to why I didn't feel good at all. Um, like I just felt like emotionally worn down. Um, but I also too felt like I, I kind of had to check all of my emotions every day. And that was what was really draining was I couldn't swing anything because I still had to be emotionally ready to run 26 miles. And so I think, I think I probably could have gone faster had I not had the week I'd had. Um, and that's something I think I feel very uh, happy about saying, whereas, you know, I don't always plan on losing a family member the week I run a marathon or at least having some like such strong emotional stress, which is can really mess up a marathoner. Um, and uh, as soon as I started running, like just hearing like people so excited for me on the sidelines, my parents hadn't seen me race in two years. I think everything from the week kind of went away and I just felt so like calm on race day. That's good. Um, 
the the marathon itself. So you've ne- you never run one before, as we've talked <laughs> about multiple yeah. times. You, you, I, I imagine you're getting all sorts of advice from people. People are letting you know about X, Y, and Z. What surprised you about a marathon itself? Like, forget all the outside stuff and an OTQ. Was there anything inside of the twenty six point two that that was either caught you off guard, surprised you, whatever it was that that maybe had been over under exaggerated, or you just weren't maybe expecting given given the race had been something you hadn't done before. How much time you have? I think you know, like it really was like you have time. You have like uh, I was I was texting one of my best friends who's about to run CIM tomorrow, and she was like, "What what do you have recommend? Like what what's what do you have any like tips or anything?" And I was like, uh, "You have a, you have enough time to have the good and the bad thoughts and, over and, then, and over and over <laughs> over and over and over." And, yeah, and I like I ran the first but the first ten k seven miles pretty solo, and I think that helped me out a lot, just calming down and miles were clicking off and. Um, I remember one point like, around like mile 12, we hit a five Oh, maybe mile 11, we hit a five Oh three. And then they were trying to pick it up. And I had, I was like, Oh, I can just not do that. And, and, and I never had that in a, in any of the race where it's like, if a move happens at mile nine, which like they did, they, like the pack kind of went, that went down one of the downhills really hard. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I just let him go. And then I, by mile 10, I was with him again. And like, I was like, Oh my God, I have, I can just play my own almost like play my own piano, but like I can just do my own thing and uh, they'll keep coming back to me if I'm smart about it. And I think ultimately at one point I realized like, okay, we're now a pack and we're like chasing. And I think that was the first time in a long time where I'd really noticed that in a marathon, you just can actually just kind of create this bigger amount of energy in a pack where, you know, I was leading for like, not le- leading is the wrong word. I was helping like block the wind or like I knew the course better. So I was giving core, I was giving course directions to the other guys you know, I was like, oh yeah, the bottle's coming up on this point, like this point, like I know where it's going to be. And I've never done that before. Cause you know, it's like normally you're not talking much. Um, I, I think that too, just once again, I was, I was running for somebody other than myself. Cause the other guys, I all wanted them to OTQ as well. And that made it a lot better where we had, it was three of us and a Canadian and he kind of dropped back around 18 and I turned around and I was all right, well, he was the other tall guy. And these other two guys are shorter. And I was like, we're running into a headwind. I don't want to have a clip stride and still get hit by the wind. I was like, I'm just gonna do the work. I was like, let's, I was like, let's, let's just all get us there. You know? And I was like, I can, I can block the wind. You guys can draft, but I, I benefit from like running my own stride. And, and at one point just then of course the wall, the wall sucks. Um, yeah. When did it hit you? 21 and a half, which I'm Mm. very proud to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We, I think just, just to, you know, I, I did a lot of the hard, I did a lot of hard work uh, from 19 to about 24. Um, just, just taking the group along. There's a video of, of me at like right around 22 where you can just see, like, I'm just working hard. The two guys are tucked in directly behind me and we're just, we're just moving like that. And it's great. Uh, and then with about two miles to go, the guy who came in fourth, Will started making a move um, and somebody also followed and I just, I just waved them on. I was like, I can't, I can't keep up. Or like, I don't, or like, I don't want to even try cause I'm worried. Uh, and then the last two miles, it was actually nice because I, everything was crashing down, but I felt like I was like, I was trying to catch up to them. And so it felt like I was racing again. And that was, was really nice where I can be racing at so many different points or in so many different ways in a race I never done before where like my body is literally failing me. So I can just look at this guy 
who's going away from me, but it's, it's like, oh, I'm still trying to chase him. And that way, like my brain shifted to don't worry about falling down, worry about, and there's yeah, so, so many, in the marathon is so many emotions, but I think within the race, just like, it was almost like chapters of a book. Like this is the first 10 K chapter, this chapter where so many races are like a play and the marathon's a book. Was there a moment inside of that then that you realized like the goal, the, I'm going to get the goal. And at what point does that happen? Oh, it did not happen until the final hill, which is about the hill. The last hill starts with one K to go. Okay. 5.5. Uh, and right at Boathouse Row, that is, we have, it's called Cheerhouse Row. A bunch of the run clubs are there and they're, they're going like crazy. You know, they were, all people who were in the half were there. The EK people were there celebrating and they had been drinking the night before. So they're out there. Everybody's in sunglasses, but they're like blasting confetti, cheering, going crazy. And I think once I got uh, starting to go up the hill, my legs felt better because I had been a flat section for about 10 miles. And I was like using slightly different muscles again. And then I was just like, I, I'm comfortable on the hills. And I just knew it was get up the hill and I'm there. And so I think as I was going up the hill, I was like, I, my, my body kind of felt like one more wind. And I was like, oh, oh, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And then, and then I was like, I'm, I'm going to sprint home, like sprint home, you know, see what I can do. And once I was at kind of almost getting to the top of that hill, like the sun is coming through, crowds are going crazy. And I just, people like said like, yeah, you just, you were just zoned in. And I was like, yeah, I remember nothing. Of, of, <laughs> and I, right as I'm like turning to like, right as I get to the finish, I see the two guys ahead of me, like finishing. My girlfriend is just on the barrier at like the last, last possible spot, almost jumping over, screaming. And I'm like, all right, I got to her, like, we're good. And then I just was the last bit to downhill. So I was able to just kind of coast. Um, but yeah, I was right, right about like a half mile to go where I realized I, had enough strength to finish because that was the biggest worry. <laughs> you mentioned a couple minutes ago the emotions of a marathon. Uh, as you cross that finish line, you know, with that time, your girlfriend, other folks, what, what what's the emotions for you? You know, I was just like, it was I was because uh, we had to go do awards because I was I was the first Philadelphian, uh, and I was just sitting in that elite tent, like trying to like nibble on a chocolate chip muffin <laughs> and, and i think uh the um the the winner of the race came up to me and he because uh, through a small world he like knows my girlfriend like through uh small town uh, indiana uh connections but he goes how'd you do and, and i told him and he and i think seeing his excitement for me <laughs> kind of brought it out and like this guy won the race but he's so excited for me and i was like oh my god like i i, I think my my body was still recovering from the effort, but the whole goal was just to have fun. And uh, like I always, people were joking like, oh, you're going to do it, be good. But some people were texting me like, you're going to make the city so happy and like so excited because I feel like the city has definitely adopted me as a runner. Uh, and like they, like a lot of schools can say that's our proud alum who now runs pro or now runs for a club no college can like say that's like my college is my college, but I never ran for them. And I've always put Philadelphia as like the name of my like running, whether it's the club or just like where, who do I rep? It's Philly. So I think that was so cool was during the day being like, I was walking just like back home and people were like, that's, that's the first Philly guy. Like 
strangers, no clue who they are. And I was like, that's what really hit me where it's like, the time doesn't matter. I'll run faster one day, hopefully. The place is awesome. But I, my, my biggest goal was to get first Philly because that was like, that's my pride and joy. What's that like? What's that like having a city get behind you like that? Oh God. Um, you know, I think it's Philly's, Philly's the best city. I think, uh, in terms of having support, uh, I've been a, a Philly sports fan my entire life and we're the best and we're the worst, uh, you know, we'll, yes, the worst let's, let's focus on the worst aspect. <laughs> um, you know, I, I take pride in being a Philly sports fan. Um, but that's the one thing was where if you are as an athlete or as a person, if you are just truly yourself in any regard in Philadelphia, I feel like they will rally behind you in the most like loving and supporting of ways. And also just to, uh, I think it was really cool for all the runners alike who knew, who have known me since I was 18 are seeing this 23 year old Ethan and probably are thinking back to when they met him. And then all these people who don't know me are like, who like this guy is wearing a Philly Jersey and he's battling it out against French guys, other Americans, Kenyans. And that was that alone. So I think it hit on multiple levels for, for me to represent Philadelphia that way where, yeah, I could go to Chicago. I could go to McCurdy. I could go to CAM. Uh, I was at, I was at Hartford and the guy who won the marathon, uh, Alex, he OTQ'd there. He's from Connecticut and he put uh, his Strava title and said, hashtag, why are you doing Hartford? Cause it was the same day as McCurdy. And I said, that is exactly why I'm doing Philly because his family got to see him do it. He like, he won the race, you know, but like it's, I think you are able to give a lot more of yourself in a race when there's a lot more on the line than just a time and a place. And that's why I was like, that's why I'm doing Philly right away. I was like, I'm always going to do Philly because it's going to be special. And like, not to say I couldn't have gone to McCurdy micro and had a special time and day. It just wouldn't have hit the same. God, what a, what a great answer. Uh, so what's next? You said at the, you know, about an hour ago now, you mentioned you're not going to run a marathon for a couple of years. Um, obviously, everyone is going to wonder about uh, an OTQ for you and, and what that looks like for 2024. So what, what, what's next as, uh, or 2028, excuse me. So what's next in, in, in terms of that process? And I guess what you're hoping to do is the calendar flips. I got um, always a couple local spots, but I'm going to do a Gate River Run 15K. Uh, I reached out to the elite director and was uh, graciously given an a, a elite entry there in the championship field for USA 15K champs. So going to you know try my hand at a USA race for the first time. And I plan to get my butt kicked. Uh, and just my coach said, go down there. Honestly, I said, go down there, get your butt kicked and learn from it. And then the goal is to, to kind of take on broad street, uh, at this level I'm at now and try to run a really fast 10 miler in the spring, maybe a 5k here or there on the track or on the roads. But I, my coach and I want to stay between the 5k and half for at least the next two years, uh, just cause it's a way where I can race, recover, rinse, repeat, without too much stress in the body and I can really get after a lot of training and kind of progress, kind of do what, um, a lot of the, like Ugandans do with a lot of, a lot of half marathon stuff and, uh, being always able to, you know, within a month change gears and practice all sorts of distances and racing and just kind of sharpening my racing chops again. So that come 26, 27, um, I can really go to maybe a Chicago or a New York or a Berlin and, and try so 
So correct me if I'm wrong, then it, it seems less that you are moving, you know, like you, you're putting the marathon on the shelf, but it's more you're focusing on the other stuff. Like you want to you want to really take some chops at some of the other the distances. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think my I think now after this fall, I can call my shorter distance PRs outdated because I will be bringing a new fitness level towards them. Uh, it's just be excited to, to kind of change gears and focus on those again. Um, and also because there's no way, uh, I would, uh, be selfish enough to be like, Hey, Hey babe, we're going to do another marathon. <laughs> and so it's so like, I, I promised her, you know, we're going to, that's not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, as of, as of now, I'm still on the performance list for USA, uh, TF on, on the, uh, and the window closes, uh, uh, a couple days. So if I, if my name is still on that list by the end of next week, I'm going to Orlando. So, but they'll probably take me off. Yeah. What, what does that look like? Um, I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's, it's such a hard question to ask. Like, so are you still going? Like, could, could there be a possibility? Like, have you learned anything in this process over the last few weeks of, of how realistic that could even be? So I'm on the list as of 1120, which is Monday, uh, the day after the marathon, I got the call that I was being DQ'd on the 21st. The one Question mark, I think, that still exists is I have never been fully notified from the race as to whether I've been DQ'd or not. So I've been under review for like a, a, a rule break since the evening of the marathon day. And maybe it's in my spam and I haven't checked or something, but I have not yet been officially notified that I've been DQ'd. And so if I'm in that limbo until the window closes, then technically I, I go. I registered on the 20th, so I'm in. I paid my 50 bucks to go to Orlando and my coach said, you know, if, when that window closes and your name's there the next morning, they can't not give you your bib because you're, you're going, um, which is pretty cool. So I'm, I'm in OTQ limbo right now. I would say, uh, OTQ purgatory. I don't know. I'll take, I'll take one or the other. So what's that like mentally? Um, I think it's funny. Every day, every <laughs> it's day. a good way to look at it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are, are told me they're like, you know, you, no matter what, the, the outcome is there. It's like, you still ran that time and which I do, which I, I'm proud to say I did. Uh, and so every day I'm still on that list, you know, it's cool to like scroll down from Connor Mance and, and Clayton Young down to Ethan Herman. And then, and then I'm like, all right, I'm still there. And then I just go about my day. Uh, what's your favorite part about running? <sighs> I can do a lot of answers. I think, um, I think how alive it makes you. I've always said that about with running, just, um, you know, I pretty bad balance, you know, I can't play soccer that well. I, uh, like I, I, my, I, I love playing basketball, but, uh, you know, I can only do that for so much. Uh, but you know how transformative a run can be, uh, from like bad day to good day, good day to great day, great day to euphoric. Um, but also to, you know, running with people and, and, anything from conversations to just camaraderie to company. I think running is a very alive and electric thing. And you can always feel it uh, when you go to a race or when you're even spectator supporter, you know, you could be in crutches and you'd still feel how alive running is. And I think that always brings me back where I'm just going to go for a run and feel something (laughs) and it, and it pays off uh, every time. So I finish every podcast by asking my guests about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something, or it could just be a feeling. Ethan Herman, what are you chasing? Um, I 
think I'm, I think I'm just chasing uh, more of that good life that that I that I was, I was able to feel for, I think for a, a lot of the fall. I think I had a really really great fall, uh, and I, I had so much fun training for the marathon that I almost didn't want it to happen. So I wanted to keep the training going, but I'm in a really good place with my friends, my family, uh, my life, and I just want to have chase more of that and, and hopefully get more of that. Ethan Herman, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Thanks again to Ethan Herman for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Peak Performance. Be sure to stop by one of their four Omaha metro area locations and mention this podcast for $15 off your first pair of shoes at regular price. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me as I write about my experiences out on the running trail, races, and a whole lot more. Email me at Chasing3Hours at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend. <laughs>